Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food, or weight, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. What we're talking about today on this program uh, in the Body Love Cards series, we're gonna, today's topic is sexuality. And um, the front of the card shows uh, the image <clears throat> dancing with her dog, deer thing, creature, and kind of moving around herself, her body, doing that. And... Uh, so the card reads, our relationship with food, body size, and sexuality are complex. By exploring the link between negative body image and sexual shame, we can begin to respect and love our own unique beauty and then hold our bodies and sexuality as sacred. We can then reclaim our sexuality for ourselves as the pure, precious, an honorable force that it is. So for me, in my recovery, I had um, so much shame of being um, a sexual being or a sensual being. I did not want to have anything to do with that. Um, I, of course, knew that I had a sexual body, but I didn't want to deal with it very much. So I would uh, like eating or anything else that I did a lot of the time before recovery, I was just numb, numb to it. And um, I had such a negative body image that I did not, I didn't, you know, I would hear how other people felt um, making love or something and how great that was. And I would think, what? I don't get what's great about that. <laughs> you know, I just didn't. I didn't understand it at all. I just felt so much, pro I just felt such a bunch of shame and a bunch of negative feelings and a bunch of numbness around it. So that was a really long time for me to work myself out of that. And it didn't help that I was molested as a child and it didn't help that I live in a culture that made me a sexual object instead of somebody with brains and and a heart and a soul and so much more than just a piece of ass walking down the street, which is how I felt a lot of the time. So for me, part of my recovery was to reclaim that and realize that uh, we used to honor the woman's body and that I needed to start doing that, especially the woman's body, and, and be okay with it. And not only that, love it as it is. So. I'm um, really happy to have Erica here with me today on the show, and um, she's very brave to pick this card to talk about, because most everybody wants to run this one and spirituality. Nobody wants to talk about it, but it, <laughs> it is so important that we do talk about it, and I'm really proud of her for doing this, so I will let her uh, introduce herself and just whatever you want to tell us about who you are. 
Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I think I'm excited and even a little bit nervous to talk about this with you. Um, it is important. So, again, my name is Erica Cheney. I'm 38 years old. I am a female, and I live in what you would call a very large body. Um, let's see. I live in Monterey, California. I have a full-time job, and I like to teach yoga on the side. I'm a yoga teacher. Um, and a really good yoga teacher, <laughs> by the way. Thank you. I like to teach um, geared towards larger bodies and how to use props and how to do variations to poses. Um, it's a passion of mine. I also love Pilates and let's see, I'm single. I have no kids. So it's all about me these days. And I think I would consider myself, I like to say I'm an introverted extrovert. <laughs> so oh, I, I like love to, that. Yeah, I like to kind of be invited to things, but not really do all <laughs> Say, maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. I'll be there. Yeah, maybe I'll be there, but I do. I like I like to connect and with people on a smaller scale. Yeah. I like to connect with people. Sensuality and sexuality has a lot to do anytime we start to talk about our bodies. And um, so what do you think that, uh, what do you see the relationship with food, body size, and sexuality? What's the complex relationship about that for you? Well, um, for me, it begins at a young age. Um, so I had an eating disorder and I still struggled with disordered eating behaviors um, and thoughts mostly sometimes, but um my eating disorder started about 16, and I was pretty active um, in it through about 32-ish, you know, so a good 16 years. And then, um, so there's that part of the equation. Yeah. And I was, um, I also have sexual abuse in my past, starting from a young age, about 10 years old. And, um, with, with two different people. So that went from on and off and then an isolated incidence from about 10 to, um, I would say even upwards of like 18. So there was that piece. Um, so obviously shame was a big part of the equation. Definitely. And yeah. And in, I didn't seek treatment for the eating disorder until I was about 30. And what I'm realizing now at the kind of, I wouldn't say, I can kind of say tail end of recovery, but I don't think, I think you're always kind of in recovery mode. Yeah. Um, or uncovery. Yeah. Uncovery. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, what I didn't realize is that sexuality was very rarely, and I can even maybe never discussed in in my treatment either at a treatment center no. or even my therapist it wasn't even brought up and no. it's interesting despite 
the very high correlation between sexual abuse and eating disorders. Uh, um, 80% of people who have been um, sexually molested or raped or incested or however way uh, inappropriately sexually, you know, damaged, uh, 80% of them will turn to drugs, alcohol, food, eating disorders, um, really high levels of, of weight loss or gain or whatever. Just you don't get to be your little self. So um, for me, I learned from a really young age that my body was not my own, oh, was yeah. not for, it was for men's pleasure. And it was not for my pleasure. Right. And um, when you learn that at a young age, it's pretty ingrained with you. Definitely. And um, and you have no rights to your body. No. And as I grew older, as a teenager, um, and hormones were going wild, and you have all these influences coming in, um, I remember kind of doing the status quo, you know, yes. dressing a certain way, trying to get men's, you know, trying to get boys' attention. That was all like I did it on a su very superficial level because that's what all the other girls were doing. Exactly. And I think at that time and even late into my 20s, I had a very um, standard. I was, I wasn't thin, but I was very average size and I was very, I had a just maybe a desirable looking body as far as what the social constructs of, you know, our culture. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I, you know, I did that and I did the college thing and I, you know, was, um, a sorority girl and I did all the things to attract the men. And then when it got serious, I freaked out because, um, well at a certain age I did. And, um, it was hard because all of the sudden something clicked in me that said, well, if I'm not going to get pleasure from this, I'm not letting them get pleasure from this either. So no one's going to get pleasure from my body. Yeah. If, including if no one me. Is, including <laughs> me. <laughs> so that was my way of rebuilding. Like, yeah. I, it shifted around. Um, when I moved home from college, I was back in the environment where the sexual abuse happened. Oh. And I think inadvertently my way of making the um, attraction from men stay away or stay at bay yeah. was I used food to comfort. And I realized the more weight I put on, which I put a lot of weight on when I moved home from college, the less attraction I received from men. Right. And, um, I think that's kind of somewhat common that you yep. hear with eating disorders. Um, as, and I, I went from being a raging, um, dealing with pretty raging bulimia from about 16 to when I moved home to college to um, more binges and less purges. Right. Um, 
And I noticed my body changing and I noticed less attention from men. And I thought, oh, I'm okay with this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, and I felt myself retreating more and I felt safer. And um, yeah, I, I was just in this space of, well, there I'm not going to let them get pleasure from this body anymore. And I'm not going to get pleasure. There will be no pleasure. <laughs> there is no for pleasure. Anyone. We are <laughs> no, not I having was, pleasure. Yeah, I was yeah. taught that um, that pleasure of one's own body. Yeah, was important. Well, of course, and but we have gotten so far away from that. You know, if we've been molested, but also if you haven't been molested, it, because we're an object in this culture to be pawed upon or or bought or sold or made money off of or whatever. We know the collective unconscious. We know that. And, you know, pleasure measure, I think. You know, we just don't even know what that is because we're not, we don't own our own bodies like you're saying. You know, it wasn't even your body. It was there for somebody else to do, to do anything they wanted to. So the damage, I think the soul damage of that is is so intense. And how did you come out of that? How did you recover from that? Um, well, for me, um, years of therapy. So yeah. I've been, you know, eight years now doing a lot of treatment and have moved for the most part away from the eating disorder and um, a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy um, mm -hmm. in treatment centers and out and doing my own work and reading a lot of self-help books. Yeah. And I think, um, I actually had EMGR therapy that was really, really, um, powerful. It was really, really hard at the time, but for me, um, being able to wrap my head around the actual moments of sexual abuse, um, or the molestation, was because I couldn't even go there. And I of think course. you have to tackle, you have to tackle the feelings. You have to tackle thinking about it and remembering it and able to be able to grow from it. So that yeah. helped a lot. And um, I'd say in the last few years, I, you know, in the in this better space, I've become, I don't know, it's like this little little ringing I hear every once in a while like oh look at how happy those people look and that relationship or my friend and yeah her husband and I have this craving to have a relationship but not knowing how to go about it necessarily so the craving is there right which is a good thing because for years it wasn't there right. I had no interest in it right. so I think this is a small step into you know, wanting to discover maybe that side of me. Yeah. And, you know, so it started with <laughs> jokingly started with dating apps and things like that, just to um, get accustomed to it. And even before that, actually, one of the these retreats I went to, one of the facilitators said, Erica, you need to start by just being around men. <laughs> and I, <laughs> yeah. And I said, I laughed and I said, that's ridiculous. And she goes, why don't you just go to Starbucks sometime and go sit next to a man just near him in the presence? Right. And I thought it was ridiculous, but I swear I did it. And I thought, 
oh, wow, this is hard and unusual, but mm-hmm. I'm not running away from it. Yeah. And he didn't turn out to be some kind of crazy person <laughs> that just, like, attacked you. Yeah, I so know. So you get to see there's more different kinds of people in the world than these horrible people that were in your childhood that took advantage of you and hurt you so badly. Yeah. I mean, the power dynamics as a child and going through kind of the things I did and many people go through in those um, stories of sexual abuse. Yes. The power dynamics are so distorted. Right. And it takes a lot of um, unlearning and relearning how to trust and where do you find safety and then relearning sensuality and intimacy yeah and um i think that i'm in the last few years have started to be open to that and be curious about it yeah and to allow yourself to have pleasure and allow yourself to believe that there's you know other people in the world who are just as wonderful as you are and are not they're going to be human probably (laughs) <laughs> you know, they'll have their own stuff yeah. that they're working through, hopefully. But, you know, that they they don't have to be a monster. It's just they're going to just be a person. And it's not, you know. And what would be great is if you find somebody that you can work through a lot of this stuff with. Because, you know, I think that's how we heal our stuff is that we bring to us people who we can work our work our issues through with and they won't run away or be mean or hit us or anything. Yeah. I mean, just to be super vulnerable with someone. Yeah. I mean, I'm so vulnerable. I, I was so secretive and shut off and for so many years, you know, till I was 30, Yeah, you know, I was this other person. And when you are that closed off and you, are have spent years hiding secrets yep. and then you come out with it you're like I'm done with that I'm not going to do that and my vulnerability has um has been very uncomfortable mm-hmm. for some people in my family yeah. and that was hard but I'm not read I am not willing to in a future relationship be, not be vulnerable with someone. yeah you well know, I so think important. The what that brings up for me is that I ha I learned to trust myself, and then that led me to be able to trust other people. So you it, know it that you're going to be our, there for you. Yeah, it it really starts with ourselves and um, changing how I talk to myself. And what was the, one of the things I read recently? Um, some quote that said, imagine, imagine if we obsessed about the things we love about ourselves oh <laughs> as opposed to the things we didn't. And I thought, Oh, that's an idea. Yeah. So it's retraining my brain and um, loving myself first before I can find love or even intimacy with somebody else. Yeah. Well, I love what that what you just said. What if we just obsessed about how great we were instead of how messed up we were? You know that that would be a great that was that's a great day. That's a great thing to do. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's well, it's sort of like that thing. If you ever have feedback from somebody, you'll get really great feedback. Great, 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 great. And then one person says like, well, I didn't like that dress you had on. Then yeah. that's all I think about. That's all you think about. And right. you become obsessed over that, that one, one thing. person's comment. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, anyway, but that happens when we were so uh, hurt as children. It gets to be that's the most, that's what it normally is. Instead of, no, that's abnormal. That's not what it normally is. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting in touch with um, our bodies, you know, for all these years, my body, I wasn't connected at all to my body. It was something I loathed and I, I hated even. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and especially when you're living with, you know, disordered eating or an eating disorder, I think that it cuts you off at the neck meaning that I was living in my head the whole time and I was never connected to my body. And part of my therapy was yoga and to become, and little did I know how it was going to reconnect me with my body. And that's, I think, a really important step. And however you want to go about it to find ways to get to know your body. Yeah. And what feels good in your body. Right. Well, that's, you know, that's the struggle to, if you hate your body, is to go into your body and start to learn how to love, how to love it. And that feels daunting until you do it for a long time. We're, you know, it's sort of like trusting the process of learning to love and have a compassion and acceptance for the body that you have. Yeah. And it starts somewhere. And I remember one of my first yoga teachers, they said, find something at the end or at the beginning of your practice that find something that you're grateful for in your body. One thing, it can be small, you know, it doesn't have to be big, but find something you're grateful for. And I could think of nothing. Aww. And then I looked at my toes and I thought, I am grateful for my toes because they look cute <laughs> right okay you know and I thought sometimes you've got to start with your toes yeah and I still remind people when you can think of nothing else in your body that feels good starts really small and it's such a difference between how you know if you know babies they think their bodies are so great you know <laughs> They, they love really do their bodies. They love their feet. They love their hands. They can't believe it's right there, whatever it is. And uh, they love everything, everything about them. They just look in the mirror and they see a friend. You know, they're. It's so true. It's so. True. I tell you, with my, my, I have a niece and I have three nephews, and when I hang out with them, um. And when I spend time with them, and I don't know you too, if you, when you spend time with children, I notice my walls coming down. I notice I'm more comfortable. I notice I smile more. And it's this energy that they have. They're very comfortable, you know, in their own being. That's right. And they don't have a, they don't really, uh, until they're taught differently, they think they are just the greatest (laughs) of all. They do. They do. They don't care. And, you know, 
society starts to come in and can start to wreck their self-esteem. But before then, it's pretty good, pretty intact. I know. Imagine uh, as adults, if we could pull up our shirts, like a little, like my little nephew and like pat on my belly and make it a joke once a day, you know, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm starting small doing little things and reclaiming our sexuality of a sacred part of our, of us to be given when we want and uh, not taken anymore, but it's, part of our what we get to do you know it's doesn't belong to anybody but ourselves it's a very powerful place to be as a woman in this culture to have that yeah and to be able to see it as a gift and to give if I want to that's right um is a huge change in thinking and to be able to recognize in myself that I have a lot of love to give and I would like to share that with someone Mm -hmm. I would love to find a man I can share that with, you know, and on another note, I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but how easy it's so it's interesting people's reaction to a single woman in her late thirties. Yeah. (laughs) I can't, who, who, who is not in a relationship or hasn't been in some time. Mm -hmm. And, um, I can't, there's been, you know, a few people at least who have said, well, are you know, are you a lesbian? It would be okay. If you are. And I I and I think to myself, I wish I was a lesbian because <laughs> it would be I'm so much more comfortable around women than I am men. But alas, I am not a lesbian. I love all the lesbians out there, but um it's just interesting that how people make their assumptions. Yes, I I used to say for years that every morning I prayed to the goddess to strike me lesbian, but she never did. <laughs> not your. This is not the lesson you're going to get on this life, Lorelei. Sorry. I know. <laughs> I, I I thought to myself on many occasions it would be so much easier. I would be a natural. It would be good. Yeah. But then I'm not attracted to women. Right. So. And my friends that are lesbian, gay. They say, nope, we still have to deal with another person and yourself. So we think it would be easier, but it's not. It's all the same. Who you love, who you love, who you love. So um, so if there's a young girl out there, you know, in her bedroom, just worrying about her herself, her body, her sexuality, and maybe that she has, you know, a lot of the stuff that I'm sure that you were dealing with as a teenager. Um, what would you say to her about getting through this this part and coming out the other side and being okay? What would you, how would you support her? What would you be able to say to her if you could? If it was me, um, I would want it I would have wanted to hear that my feelings are valid your feelings are valid and oh this it's a tough question because yes. I was so closed off and I wasn't open to hearing 
much. My mom tells me that she's tr- tried to talk to me mm-hmm. a few different times and um, I just wasn't having it. Yeah. So I think, I think what would help the most is hearing other stories or. Yes. So you're not alone. So you're not alone in hearing, mm-hmm. hearing that, those words, you're mm-hmm. not alone. Um, this has happened to so many others and your feelings are valid. Your body is your own yeah. and nobody else's. And if I had just heard those words, your body is your own and no one else's and no one gets to decide what to do to it other than you. Yes. That that probably would have gone a long way. Oh, that would have been so great to hear that. Yeah. And that not everybody is going to be like this, you know. People, there's a lot more people in the world than just these two perpetrators. Yes. Or three or four thousand Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yes. And just having just a healthier understanding of what the dynamics between, in my case, a man and a woman should be. Yes. And the power dynamics and, um, yeah, I don't know. It can be just, it can, it just gets so distorted when, um, a member of, you know, in my case, a family member uses that control and power over you. You get your, my, my way of thinking was so twisted, Yes, (laughs) you know, the whole thing was so twisted. twisted. Yeah. So to yeah. so to have been so to hear other stories like we're hearing now. Yes. And we're having this amazing YouTube time mm-hmm. of people, yeah, the me too and people coming forward with their stories and yep. talking about them. Yeah. I think it helps so many people to hear that. I do too. And I think uh you know, anytime we shine a light on something in the dark, it gets it can heal. We in the darks, tucked away, smushed underneath the basement, it doesn't get to doesn't get to heal. And now we're bringing this stuff out into the real world. It's good. Anytime you feel alone in something, you feel that healing or coming out of that situation is not possible. But once you can relate to others, yes, um, like a light. I, you know, it's a, it's a little light yeah, that comes in. Right. So are there any last minute things that we didn't cover that you'd like to say? Uh, any other, you know, points about this issue? I can't think of anything else. I think we, I remember going through the cards which are amazing, and I've expressed to you how much I love these. Um, the I don't have the is it body love cards or yeah. body, what are body love cards? Body love. And you said you said pick one, you know, pick one that draws to you. So I went through the cards and I narrowed it down to about half the first time, <laughs> and and then I narrowed it down to about a quarter of them. And anytime I came across the sexuality card. I would pause and I would take this deep breath yeah. and then exhale. And, you know, I kind of was like, please stop cutting up card. <laughs> and it was just right. there. 
And by the end, I thought, this has got to be it. This has got to be, this is where I'm at in my life. And many people, you know, many other people are as well. And I think it's such an important conversation to to talk about more because we just don't hear about it. We don't. Very often. We don't. Like you said, you know, you went to a lot of different recovery and a lot of different therapists and all kinds of stuff, and nobody ever said anything about it. And that's because we're all scared. We're all scared to broach the subject. It's such a, ah, it's too scary. It's too awful. It's too hard. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to look at it, blah, blah, blah. But we, it's, it's such a disconnect not to. So I'm so honored and grateful that you were here to talk about this today. So interesting for something that's so hard to talk about. On the flip side, sexuality can be so pleasurable, rewarding, yep. lovely, yep. all these beautiful things. So why aren't we talking about it more? Yeah. And I'm, I'm grateful to have the conversation with you. It's sort of like uh, the the idea of dieting, you know, just diets mean what you eat on a daily basis. That's all it really means. But it's been co-opted. It's been, you know, hijacked from us. We haven't, you know, we can't really talk about how great food is because everybody's on a diet and they'll have a nervous breakdown if you do. <laughs> or, you know, or if it's you so like the body that you have, it's it's horrifying, you know, if... If they, if you don't look like Barbie, it's just so weird. It's been, all of this has been hijacked from us. So I wonder if you'll read that today. Oh, I would love to on the card. Yeah. So on the back of the card, it says, today I will practice realizing it is not my size that limits my sexual experience, but rather it is my shame and fear. Oh. The same feelings that are so often at the core of my struggle with food and weight. I will experiment with looking at my body, the expression of my sexuality, and my sexual desires as natural, pure, precious, and sacred. Oh, I love, love that. that. I, you know, that we, would be a beautiful thing to say as I look at myself in the mirror. That's right. <laughs> And I bet if we all did that for one year, we would heal a lot of these really deep wounds about sexuality. Mm -hmm. Mantras like this are important, you know? That's how you retrain retrain our brains. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Erica. And um, I will talk to you soon, I'm sure. But again, I'm... our retreat. Yeah, (laughs) even before. But uh, really, really so grateful for you to be here and talking about this with me today. Thank you for listening and be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.